Welcome back to Perfect Pitch with Nick Healy Hutchinson and his fresh approach to the world of classical music. Whether you're an expert or a beginner, old or young, Perfect Pitch has something for everyone. If you've been kind enough to be a regular listener over the last couple of years, you are now listening to the 100th episode of Perfect Pitch. I can hardly believe it, but over that time, we've listened to more than 250 different pieces of music from about 90 different composers. Wherever this finds you, believe me when I say how thrilled I am that you tune in. Grieg's four symphonic dances, written at the end of the 19th century, were based on Norwegian dances, which makes you wonder why he didn't simply call them that. The first one refers to the Halling, a dance normally performed by men alone, involving all manner of high kicks and jumps to impress the ladies. A peaceful middle section is bookended by a lively opening and equally uplifting conclusion. Different composers can leave different marks on you when the music stops. With Grieg, it's really very simple. He almost always just leaves you feeling good. The first of Grieg's four symphonic dances is played here by the Philharmonia Orchestra, conducted by Raymond Leppard. Thank you. 
slightly surprisingly, there aren't many compositions numbered 100 which are worth drawing attention to. There's Haydn's military symphony, I know, but he's getting some coverage next week. But there are a couple, so let's listen to them now. A cassation, apart from requiring careful pronunciation, is the term given to a light-hearted piece of music in the 18th century for a smaller group of players, and quite often performed outside. The 100th work listed in Mozart's catalogue is his first in that format. There are eight parts in the piece, and we're going to listen to the opening march. Grieg once said of Mozart that in his work you have the divine instinct. His inspirations seem untouched by human labour. Untouched by human labour is precisely how this feels, completely effortless. The piece is remarkably mature, after you consider it was written in 1768, which makes it the composition of a fully-fledged 12-year-old. The march from Mozart's Cassation is played here by the Academy of St Martin in the Fields, conducted by Neville Mariner.
Another work, published posthumously as Opus 100, is Schubert's second piano trio, written just months before he died, and one of the few late pieces which he did get to hear before his death. This is one of those occasions where my input is wholly unnecessary. Just enjoy it for what it is. The Andante from the trio is played here by Lin Chang on the violin, Yo-Yo Ma on the cello, and Richard Kogan on the piano.
I wonder if the writing of a violin concerto is viewed as some kind of pinnacle in a composer's career, because it's extraordinary how many of the great composers only wrote one. Without conferring, I came up with 13 between Beethoven and Walton, and I'm sure there'll be several more. Schubert didn't write any, and Mozart, surprise, surprise, is the standout exception with five, but that might have something to do with the fact that he knew German audiences prefer them to be longer than he felt necessary. Of all the violin concertos, not just the one-timers, it's Beethoven's whose head and shoulders about the rest for me. Its first performance in 1806 was underwhelming, and it was hardly played for another 40 years. How times have changed. Lasting about three quarters of an hour, it really isn't a minute too long. Maybe that's for the simple reason that it's the first one I ever heard in a live performance, when the great Yehudi Menuhin was the soloist, impeccably dressed, I remember, in white tie and tails. It would be a crime to listen to just one part, so we'll listen to the slow movement which goes straight into the rondo finale, performed here by Janine Janssen with the London Symphony Orchestra conducted by Pavo Yevi. The slow movement is another reminder of the sweet and tender lightness which can come from Beethoven's hand. And it's a lightness which he carries through into the playful finale, so there's none of the seriousness or attack you might hear in other concertos. And maybe this concerto as a whole answers that question as to why he didn't write another one. Yes, I suppose it's possible Beethoven may have been a bit peeved by the initial reaction, but honestly, why would you feel the need to embark on another after this?
That's it for this week. Nick will be back again soon. Please rate and comment on any of the previous episodes, and if you like what you hear, take a moment to press the follow button, as it helps to spread the word.